We might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. We have a kind of a reputation of being the young, the young diehard fans. How was that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing. Hey, good. Let's keep it over 25 minutes, all right? to the Underage Packers podcast. This is Joey here welcoming you into episode 106. Packers training camp is right around the corner, so that obviously means we got so much stuff to talk about. Uh, joining us to do that today was the one and only Andy Herman of the Packaday podcast. And Big B, I don't know about you, but I feel like I just got out of a really difficult biology lesson. Not that he was lecturing us, but I mean, his amount of knowledge is just through the roof, especially compared to ours. Does your brain hurt? Um, my great co-host should introduce you to my great host, Big B. Did that um, throw you off guard? To, to, well, not throw you off guard. It was expected. But does your brain hurt? Yeah, it just feels like I got out of math class because I cannot understand math class to save my life. And it, I, it feels like that right now. Yes, uh, he gave us a lot of talking about, you know, what he saw at minicamp. We had some good food restaurant talk at the end. Even though Andy isn't the best to hear about that stuff sometimes, he gave us some great restaurant recommendations. Um, he got into not a rant per se, but just a great, you know, like minute or two long speech about a three-three-five formation. That was great. So, it, I mean, we pretty much have it all here for you today. If you just want straight up hype that you normally get on our show, if you want, you know, some restaurant Green Bay area type talk, we got that for you. We got some fun stuff for you packed in there. And then we got Andy Herman just being the smartest football nerd alive. So you're going to want to tune in to this long talk. So hopefully you enjoy it. Let's head right into it. All right, we are now here with the pod father, Andrew Herman. Andy, thank you for joining us here. Just a week out of training camp. How excited are you for that? I am insanely excited. I'm more excited to be here talking with you guys as you're drinking your classic Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> uh, life could not be better. We are a week away from Packers training camp, uh, ready to talk about stuff that actually happens on the field once again, which is yes. always a bit more fun. But uh, yeah, very excited about everything. I'm trying to find the front. Oh, okay. There it is. I was trying to find the front of my mic to make sure I wasn't talking into the, the back gate. That would have been good. But yes, we are here. Me and Big B are been dying for this little moment of time here that is always so exciting. Training camp right around the corner. Excited to wake up and see the endless amount of practice updates. I mean, it's, it's so good in the summer when I'm on my summer sleep schedule and I wake up and see Rob Jamoski and pra practice has just kicked off as I'm having my morning coffee. That's always a good time. Yeah, so. I can't do it any better than that. I got to get my Twitter fingers ready because they're, you know, in a little mini camp and, uh, you know, rookie mini camp action. But mm -hmm. uh, we got to get the, the Twitter fingers in, you know, regular season form here. So I've been I've been working out. I've been practicing. Uh, I think I got a lot of updates ready to go. So uh, I, th I think we're set. Okay, that's good. I'm glad to hear you're you're in full you're in full midseason mode for at least training camp. Because I mean, I didn't realize this until I went to practice last year. And I know you guys have supposedly uh, the best van uh, the view 
of the house to be able to see all this stuff. But I cannot focus on just one thing because there's so much going around, especially when they're just in position specific drills. It's just so hard to keep your eye on just one player. So the fact that you guys are able to see, like even just locking on something, I've gained a lot more respect for that. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that for a second. So the first thing you said is that we have the best view. That's not always the case. Now, um, a while back, a couple of seasons ago, there's that little crow's nest that's on the opposite side. Yes. It's the furthest up and it's like the flat area. It, it, they've closed it off the last couple of years. So I don't know if that's open or not, but if you can get in there, uh, that's the best seat in the entire house, in my opinion, because then you can actually like view everything. You actually have a vantage point. Um, so my like, even though like I'm obviously on the side now with the media, like mm-hmm. that that crow's nest area is to me the best vantage point of anyone. So if that's open, get there because that's the best view. Um, the second thing is I think that's what like people don't fully understand is that I mean look, there's usually a, a handful of guys sitting out right, but there's like mm-hmm. 80 to 85 players in co- like. Play- that are all doing stuff yeah. at the same time in this hour and a half practice. And even if they break into like team drills and you can sort of focus on the one thing at once, the majority of those times, there are two team drills going on at the same time, one with the first team and then one on the other side with like the second slash third team guys. Mm-hmm. So the most you can do is view one of those things. And that's like the best case scenario, right? Cause other points in time that maybe the quarterbacks and the receivers are down here or the offensive linemen are down there. And the other thing that's difficult is some of the more fun drills to like tweet out and talk about are yeah. the, like the one-on-ones. Right. And usually what happens is on one side of the field, you've got wide receivers versus corners, which mm-hmm. in the one-on-one drills is amazing. And then maybe in like another area, you might have running backs versus linebackers and you know, those sort of things. And then on the far side, you'll have the offensive linemen versus the edge rushers and the defensive linemen in their one-on-one drills. But like, you can only focus on one. So long story short, there is so much going on all at one time that like, you basically have to kind of go day by day and be like, here's what I'm going to focus on today. And like, maybe today I'm going to be really focused on like Jordan love and the rookie receivers. And I'm going to just try to hone in and focus on those. And then the next day it's going to be Eric stuff because if you try to do everything, you're going to get nothing. So um, I always say like, go with a plan in mind of like what you kind of want to focus on. And it can always change over time and and what's happening on that day. But if you try to focus on too much, you're just going to be in no man's land. Yeah. Especially uh, like, I mean, there's, you can't even tell the players apart sometimes. Um, And one thing also is that I think has kind of been not lost, but just not really brought up is the fact that, you know, before, you know, before my time, before Twitter times, there wasn't, you know, second by second updates of practices. I mean, you got like a little snippet in the newspaper the next day. But, you know, you can, if you follow the right people, you can see pretty much every single thing that goes on that's important or what, you know, what's claimed to be important. I mean, there's so much going on that it's impossible really to distinguish what report is important. What should we buy into this? Does this mean this guy is actually having a quietly good camp or did he just have a good play in like the little drill they do where they run a five yard out route? Yeah. And it's always like, so what I've sort of tried to decide to do, and I'll usually name like a player of practice. If like somebody makes like a handful of good plays or something like that, and I'll try to shout that out. But what I, what I try to do is just literally 
let my Twitter feed be like my eyes of like, like, cause obviously like 99% of Packer fans can't be out there at practice that day. Right. And I'm there. So like, if I see something, I'm going to, I'm just going to tweet it. Like if I see yeah. something like anything noteworthy, whether it was a nice play, whether it was a bad play, I'm just going to tweet it. And then like everyone else can do with that information, what they want, but rather than try to be like, all right, cause like, here's everything that happened. Cause again, you can't do that. There's 90 guys doing stuff. And even if you, even if you did like catch everything, right. Mm-hmm. We have to remember that this is a practice so that like, if Eric Stokes gets beat on the outside by Christian Watson, right. We don't know that like if, if Eric Stokes is like working on a different technique and like yeah. he may have like been like, all right, I'm going to try to play like this sort of coverage and I'm going to try to do something different. And he might just try that and it just fails miserably either because A, he hasn't done it before and he needs more practice at it or B, like maybe he's just experimenting and being like, I wonder what I can like if I could do something different and it could work and it might not have. And then like obviously Christian Watson gets like an 80 yard touchdown and we're like, wow, Christian Watson's incredible. Eric Stokes sucks. And it's like, well. <laughs> both dudes are working and we don't know like exactly what they're trying to work on in that given instance. So I think when you get into the the team and it's actually like, you know, they're actually going hard in the red zone drills and stuff like that. That's where you can probably take it a bit more seriously. We're like, guys probably aren't trying quite as much. They're trying to be a bit more competitive in that situation. But I think it's always worth noting that these are practices and these are players that aren't in that moment, like trying to be, perfect they're trying to get better as players that's literally what practice is so I, I think you bring up a great point that we need to remember that as well right um that's a good uh leeway into our first question here to talk about of who will surprise people at mini camp or training camp um because like you said there's you know a lot of players that you read a lot about making good plays what does it actually mean Uh, It seems that Juwan Winfrey is always one of those um, players that for every mini camp and training camp that he's been healthy for since he's become a member of the Packers two years ago, has just been absolutely outstanding. You know, is he going to make the roster? He's up for that drop. So uh, Andy, who do you think um, just off your predictions? I mean, you have uh, more information than the two of us here of how they performed in the off season program. Um, who do you think is surprise fans the most this training camp? I think people are going to realize just how much Quay Walker jumps off the field. When you look at him and see him move, he's just a rare dude at that size and that speed and that strength and that athletic. It's just, he's a freak in all the best ways. And I was like, I watched quite like a lot of Quay before going to the first rookie mini camp and had a good idea of like what I was going to see in person and then you see him in person and you're just like, all right, I get it. Like I, I immediately get it. I know why you picked him as early as you did, like without question. It, you, I don't, you don't need, you don't need almost anything else. There's sometimes where like, and uh, you know, Skeletal's talk about this, Ben Fennel and I have talked about this and I haven't had the opportunity to do this, but Ben gets to see with all the college football coverage that he does. Um, but like, there's just something different about being able to see the players in person and really like get a feel for like, okay, like there's this, this guy has something here and Quay Walker has that. And it's immediate to see, no, that doesn't mean that you're like, all right, he's going to be a you know future hall of famer, probably pro bowl, all pro, whatever. Like he's still got to prove it on the, but, field. He is. but yeah, exactly. Right. So like, but you can immediately see like why they wanted to get him when they got him. So I think that's the first thing. And, and similarly on the other side, I think Christian Watson, I think he's going to jump out to people too and be like, okay, 
big, tall, fast, physical dude, smooth as heck. Like you're, you're going to see that too. And now again, he has a lot of work to do as just a wide receiver and, you know, mastering the nuances of that position. So both of them are far from finished products, but I, I would be shocked if anyone saw Christian Watson or Koi Walker in person are like, nah, I don't get it. Like, I can't, I, I don't know how they like thought these guys were going to be good. Those two guys are going to jump off the page immediately. I think people are going to notice TJ Slayton a lot more. Oh, yeah. um, I think he's going to really stand out just, just, again, he's an imposing figure. Um, but I think he, you can tell he's coming into his own. I tweeted out jokingly at one of the camps of like, I'm thinking of breaking camp protocol and taking a video of TJ Slayton air guitaring right now, uh, because it was just like, you can just tell like he's got a confidence and a vibe and there's an energy kind of like almost like a Jamal Williams. Uh, oh, sorry, big B. I didn't mean to like uh, bring up anything here, but like, uh, like almost like a Jamal Williams sort of vibe where he's just kind of like, he's got that thing going. And um, I think he's going to really uh, impress some people as well. So all of this isn't to say that like, all right, Mark, again, Slayton and Watson and Quay down for like huge seasons. But I think both of them, all three of them are going to jump off the fans when they see him in person. Okay. Yeah, I know Slayton, there was a, a big reaction like last year when we all knew that he was just absolutely massive, at least in weight. And then you see him in person like, wow, that really is 350 pounds if I've ever seen it. <laughs> and if, 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 if nobody's ever been to camp and they see Mercedes Lewis for the, like, oh my I, I'm God. not joking. Every single time I go to practice and I see Mercedes Lewis, I, I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm literally yeah. re-amazed every single time at just the size of this guy. And I know it's like, it's not comparable to like a Giannis in the NBA. Who's just a, like, but man, the guy is just a yes. brick. Like he's yeah. just a tall six, seven, 280, whatever he is. And like, just so imposing. And you just are like, you feel so small, like looking <laughs> at that guy. So like, again, it's not anything that's going to like jump off the page at this stage of his career that you're like, oh my God, Mercedes Lewis is tearing it up. But all you have to do is look at that guy and you're like, every single time, it's just incredible. I loved um, AJ Dillon's video he shared on that's the, amazing. yeah, on the Lambo tour, um, going out with fans. When you see him against real life people, Compared yep. to him, it's like, whoa, all right. He, he really is massive. Um, yeah, there's guys like that. I mean, Patrick Taylor's another one who doesn't get enough credit for how tall and physical of a player he is because A.J. Dillon's on the roster. But, I mean, these are just different guys. Like, it's just yeah. – it's incredible to see – the physical specimens that these guys are and how, how athletically fit it's incredible. And it gets, it gets more incredible every single year because players are getting bigger and bigger and taller and faster and more physical. And it just, it's crazy. It's, it's so fun to watch. It's what makes yeah. the sport so great. I saw Lane Taylor on a, a tour um, with Evan Siegel once through the Ambo field. And that, that was something. Yeah. Um, but going back to your first player, you mentioned that you think it's going to stick out at camp with Kay, Quay Walker um, one thing that I'm sure a lot of people will be watching is a uh, battle that will be happening at all outside linebacker, number three depth there. And then also kind of that need for safety, at least kind of a dime backer hybrid type player that the Packers need. But I don't think what's being brought up enough is the fact that Quay Walker kind of kills two birds and with one stone almost with that draft pick, because um, you know, outside linebacker safety were two positions that a lot of people were talking about the Packers potentially taking in this past year's draft. Um, and I think Quay doesn't completely eliminate the need for those. Um, but Andy, do you think that he does provide some 
use as either outside linebacker or lining up as a hybrid safety in Joe Barry's defense. Yeah, I think the more you can do, uh, just the bigger flexibility. And I think um, I actually talked about this. Uh, I don't know uh, when this is airing, but I talked about this for Thursday's Packaday podcast on the video of just some of the, um, you know, what what this defense can do by keeping the same people on the field. I think a lot of times we get into that. Um, you know, we're more, I guess we're more used to of like, all right, Chris Barnes is going to be early down linebacker. And then they're going to bring in a Henry Black on passing downs. And the reason that that is like, if you have two Devondre Campbells, you're not doing that. Right. Like yep. you're not bringing in different guys. You're just playing the two Devondre Campbells, like same thing at, you know, um, you know, whatever, whether it's inside linebacker, you know, whatever position, if you've got to take guys off the field, like Tyler Lancaster is another example, right? You can't play him on passing downs because he doesn't have any pass rush skills. So you might play him on early rundowns and then, but you got to bring a different guy in that may just like Kingsley Kiki would have been like, he's just a pass rusher. He can't hold up against the run. So you're basically trying to like baseball platoon players because neither of them are quite good enough to just stay on the field. This Packers defense this year has 11 guys, in my opinion, that can stay on the field on every down. And whether that, you know, you could, there's a couple of probably defensive linemen that you could pair with Kenny Clark, but I think everyone's hoping. Um, and the ideal would be that Devontae Wyatt and Kenny Clark are your two on the inside. Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith on the outside, D Campbell and, and Quay on the inside. And then, and of course, your three corners in Razul, Jair, and Stokes, and your two safeties in Savage and Amos. Now the edge rushers and the defensive linemen are going to have to rotate because they can't play, you know, 60, 70 snaps a game. Right. But like, let's just say like um, fatigue wasn't an issue. I think they would play those 11 guys or, you know, and again, we could put a different defensive lineman in there for Wyatt until he proves himself. It could be Lowry. We could just say even Lowry, but you could play those guys, those 11 guys on every snap and whether they come out in uh, more of a 11 personnel and empty set uh, more of like a two tight end and a fullback like I don't even care you can keep those 11 guys in the field in almost any formation and you don't need to do all of these like well we're going to have this dime linebacker and we're going to no you just have good football players on the field and we're going to stop you I don't care what formation that you use so I think we're going to see um, a lot more of that and I think that's going to make the defense better as far as Quay you know I do think what you're saying has some truth to it right because you don't need a box safety if you can play Quay Walker in that role and Quay Walker might be able to be a little bit, I don't think he's going to like, I think if you're using him as like a number three edge rusher, I think you're doing your entire defense a disservice. I don't think that's what's yeah. best for Quay. And I don't think that's really what you want him doing. Um, but um, I talked about quite a bit in, in a recent video, I think a three, three, five, um, which is an in vogue defense in college football. Um, I think a three, three, five could be uh, what uh, Joe Barry goes to like last year, you had so much of Preston and Gary go out and then all of a sudden it's like Garvin and Tipa. And neither of them are really great at setting the edge. Neither of them are great at getting to the quarterback. And you just have two, you know, no disrespect, but like two, um, you know, subpar players at the edge position. They're both trying their best. They're both trying to get better. Um, but it's just such a drop off from Preston and Gary. Well, what about this year? If instead of that, you go in like a three, three, five and you bring a Kenny Clark in and a, you could do it like a TJ Slayton, or you could just go Clark in the middle with Lowry and Wyatt as your defensive ends, sort of like almost like three technique guys. And then you've got Quay, Barnes, and Campbell as your linebackers with your same corners and same safeties, right? So it's a 3 3 5. You've got three down linemen, three linebackers. That you could just run with a, a base 3 3 5. But at the last moment, you could shift over. And all of a sudden, Lowry is like basically your defense, like your outside defensive end. And then you've got Clark and uh, Wyatt as your defensive tackles. And now you've got Quay as basically like your other defensive end or like your stand up outside linebacker, right? And now to me, 
that feels a lot better. I still got Barnes and Campbell as my linebackers. I now have Quay um, as basically like a, a backup edge rusher. I've got Lowry as my other edge rusher, which may be not quite ideal, but I feel better about that than a bunch of, um, you know, Atipa and, and Garvin and those sort of guys. And I still have Wyatt and Clark inside, which is really, really good. Like that is like a second team. And I don't think, you know, let's just say that Gary and Preston can play, I don't know, 50, like let's say 50 of the 70 snaps, right? I don't think you can go three, three, five on the other 20. You're going to have to rotate in some other edge rushers and just kind of make things clean. But I do think for maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 of those snaps, you could go a three, three, five. And then maybe the other eight snaps are for your, you know, Randy Ramsey's, your Jonathan Garvin's, your Tipa Nali's, your Kingsley and Igbari's, whoever ends up earning those spots. But I feel a lot better about eight to 10 snaps of that than maybe 20 to 25 snaps of that, which we saw last year and just didn't work that well. Well, I wish I had something to add, but I really just learned so much about formations and all that. It's like, wow, I was not, I mean, Freddie Mercury, don't stop me now. Don't stop Andy now on that. Like, just like, I, I love when you can see people get excited about something with football and they just want to talk about it for endlessly. So I was not going to stop you there at all. That was, that was great. Awesome. Happy to, happy to be uh, that moment for you. I will okay. gladly talk happily about Packers football just about at any given moment. <laughs> and that's why I do it 365 days right. a year. Yeah. I got Fritz Schirmer's book waiting on my nightstand for me to read it. I'll, I'll get you that at some point and maybe, maybe I'll catch up with you a little bit there, or at least be able to comprehend a little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> Fritz knows a little bit more, knew a little bit more than I do. So you're, you're yeah. probably going to uh, lap me pretty quickly there by, you know, reading that one of the greatest of all time. So. <laughs> Okay. Um, Big B, who do you have as your player? Uh, I mean, that's a pretty tough answer to follow up there from Andy, but who do you have as your player um, to surprise that camp here? Yeah, I don't know how to um, transfer after that, but I'm going to say Tyler Davis as my player to watch. Like he would, you did not see him last year because, well, he wasn't on the team. So he finally gets a whole off season in the Packers offense and like he can make a serious push to be tight end one, especially if Robert Tunyon is put on PUP to start the season. I have a lot of hope, high hopes for Tyler Davis. I think he can be a very good player in the NFL. And I'm super excited to see what he does this offense. All right, awesome. Yeah, uh, I do think it will be interesting. Uh, we've talked about this before um, with the tight ends and a lot of other positions too, where it's not necessarily top heavy. You know, wide receiver is another one of these. They don't have a Devontae Adams. Um, they have a Robert Tunyon who was injured in the tight end room. But they have a lot of depth, just a lot of guys that deserve to be on the roster. But do you really want to carry five tight ends and or ten receivers? Um, so I think that'll be interesting how they kind of cut down on those roster spots. Yeah, the roster gymnastics, I think, is going to be super intriguing. And I think a lot of it might come down to – you know, which players they think they have the best shot of getting back on the practice squad and keeping around in some capacity, right? I think if they get an inkling that, all right, we cut this guy, they're going to get claimed. I've talked about this numerous times, and I think there's a really good chance. Um, We'll see just how creative that they want to be, but let's not forget the practice squad rules are still in place where you can call players up from the practice squad, right? So with that in mind, I think you could get to a scenario where let's say they want to keep seven wide receivers and let's say they want, let's say Tunyon's healthy and they want to keep five of these tight ends. Right. And all of a sudden you get into some really tough roster, you know, math you know, at that point. Right. Yeah. I think there's a real legit chance that they could say, 
you know what? We really like Patrick Taylor and we really like Tyler Goodson and we really like BJ Baylor, but we're pretty certain that we can cut all three and get all three of them back on the practice squad. And we also know that probably sometime around week, I don't know, six, seven, eight, maybe sooner, maybe later, Kylan Hill is going to come back and take that number three running back spot. In the meantime, we can, you know, we feel very comfortable that those three guys aren't getting claimed. And even if one of them does, we still keep the other two. And in the meantime, they all have three weeks to get called up to the active roster from the practice squad. If you have three of those guys in the practice squad and you feel comfortable going to get all of them back, you can make it to week nine with having a, a number three running back that's on the practice squad. You can do three weeks of Goodson, three weeks of Taylor, three weeks of Baylor. And by that time, Kylan Hill is probably back. So I think there's a decent chance that when that initial 53 roster cutdown comes, that you could end up with just two active running backs on the roster in Jones and Dylan, who are going to get 99% of the snaps anyway. And even if like you couldn't call up a, like a Baylor or a Goodson or a Taylor for a game, like even if they didn't want to do that, like the odds that both of those guys go down um, mm-hmm. is very slim. And you still have guys on the roster like a Randall Cobb and Amari Rogers, that if in an emergency situation, you needed to play them at a little bit of running back, you could do that as well. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you could end up with two active running backs on the 53, knowing that you're going to get Taylor and Baylor and Goodson, or at minimum two out of the three back and can use that practice squad eligibility up until the time that Kylan Hill gets back bring Kylan Hill back. And then you're good to go with three running backs from there because in, you know, undoubtedly, but you know, between now and the time that Kylan Hill gets back, there's going to be three, four or five guys that need to go on IR like short-term IR and be brought back later in the season and things like that. So um, I think that that could be a viable way to maybe steal a roster spot for one of those wide receivers or tight ends. Yeah. The running backs, I feel a lot of people forget well with the positions in general uh, when we get closer to 53 man roster time is just the fact that it's called the initial initial 53 man roster for a reason. You know, it's, it's fun to do 53 man roster predictions, but by the time even midway through the season, so many transactions have gone down. So many injuries have happened where, you know, even if a guy heck, I mean, could be, doesn't even get a practice squad chance. He can really, you know, say in the record book for the Packers and earn himself back a spot on this team. We've seen plenty of success stories like that over the past few years. We've seen plenty of players that have just been stuck on the practice squad for a year or two and then find their way up like Yash Nyman. Um, so um, very good. Yeah, you had, about, was sorry, that? I didn't mean to but you had 62 guys um, last year that just played, that took snaps on offense or defense. That doesn't even include Mason Crosby or uh, Corey Bajorquez or your two long snappers or anything like that. You had 62 guys that took snaps, 32 on offense, 30 on defense that actually took snaps on those sides of the football. So like we look at this 90 man roster right now, you know, there's probably going to be, I would say at least 65 of those guys of those 90 that end up taking snaps for the Packers this year. I mean, that's probably on the conservative side. It could be closer to 70. So we look at that initial 53, but there's going to be another 10 to 15 guys that, you know, start on the practice squad or, you know, get brought back at some point that are are going to make an impact for this team at some point this season. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Let's talk about uh, going into this season now. Um, And there's going to be a lot of excitement at camp, a lot of excitement building up through the preseason on uh, a lot of these rookies. Uh, especially at the wide receiver position. You got a second rounder 
pretty much a late, late first rounder, if you want to look at it that way, in Christian Watson. You got an exciting prospect in Romeo Dobbs from the fourth round. You got Samari Toure from the seventh round. A lot of exciting names at wide receivers. Um, but obviously, they're rookies, and they still are going to take some time to adjust to the offense. And the Packers are going to rely on them more so they, than they would like, more so than they have on rookies at any position over the past few years. Um, so, Andy, do you think this will lead to kind of a slower start for this Packers offense? Because even if, you know, Christian Watson has just a phenomenal season, offensive rookie of the year, if you want to set the bar at that, um, you know, it's going to take some time for Aaron Rodgers to adjust to an offense without Devontae Adams, without Marquez Valdez-Scanling, and where he has, you know, Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins week to week as his number one wide receiver. Yeah, so here's here's my thought process, and I think this – I would be willing to bet that this is how it goes, assuming everyone that stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Knowing Aaron Rodgers and how much he values experience, attention to detail, and just the – wherewithal at the line of scrimmage to know all the checks, all the hot routes, all the audibles, everything like that. I would be willing to bet that Aaron is going to make a strong push that he's going to want Tunyon, Lewis, Cobb, Watkins, Lazard as his sort of main weapons on offense. Um, Deguara probably too. Um, And then I think what will happen is with those guys being his main weapons, the guys that he feels he can trust, that he knows that they're going to be where they're supposed to be and just have that veteran experience. I also think they will work in, specifically Christian Watson. I think he's really going to be the one that gets a lot of time worked in specific packages, and they're going to use his skill set to what it does best. I think we're going to see a lot of nine routes from Christian Watson, just even threaten deep. I think we're going to see a lot of, whether it's reverses or quick screens to the outside, just to get the ball in his hands. Like you don't have to be a genius to like, just stop and turn around and get the ball and then go upfield. Right. Same thing with running a nine route. You don't have to be a genius and, you know, to Aaron Rodgers to be able to run fast by the guy across from you. I'm not saying there's not more nuance to those things, but it's a lot easier to pick up than a lot of the other stuff. I think we're going to see a lot of the, the crossing routes where it's set up for all those pick plays where Christian Watson's the guy that's coming uncovered and you're hoping to get him for a five-yard game where he can then take all of that athleticism and get it upfield. I think there's going to be a lot of package plays where Christian Watson can just use his raw natural talent and athleticism and ability um, on some easier stuff to begin with. But right. this is going to be primarily Cobb, Watkins, Lazard, Tanyan, Lewis, Deguara, Jones, Dylan, the guys that Rogers is going to feel very comfortable with. And then you sprinkle in some Amari Rogers and some Romeo Dobbs. Maybe there's a handful of plays that they feel super comfortable with and a couple audibles and checks that they feel super comfortable with. And you can sprinkle them in until they get their feet under them. So I don't know that that necessarily um, would mean a slow start. I think that it's going to hopefully become better and more um, have more variety as the season goes on. Um, but I think they're going to start with the guys that Rogers feels comfortable with. And I think it's going to be up to Watson and Dobbs and Amari and Toure and all those guys to prove that, Hey, like I'm this good. You, you need to get me on the field. I don't care if yeah. you know, Sammy Watkins knows a check that I don't um, I'm running a four, three and that dude's running a four, seven, and I can just do things on the field that he can't, but I think it's going to be up to them to earn that, that time in those spots. And I think it would be more of like a cautionary tale of like, just pump the brakes a little bit 
on yeah. Toure and Dobbs and even to some extent Watson, because we were all super excited about early third round pick Amari Rogers and playing that Tyler Irvin role and the gadget role that he was going to play. And like, you know, find some role in this offense. He had great run after the catch at Clemson. We thought a lot of the same stuff that I just said that Amari was going to do last year. It's just really hard for rookie receivers. And I know every once in a while there's a Justin Jefferson and there's some of these guys, Jamar Chase, but like those are special, special dudes. And unless you hit on one of those guys, it's usually going to take a little bit of time um, for that, those players to develop. So just, I would say pump the brakes a little bit more on some of the rookies. Yeah. um, I do like what you brought up there about early on, how Rogers might want to include more of the guys he knows and trusts in the offense. Um, And I think, that will be, as many people have mentioned, kind of the one benefit, if there is any, to Rodgers having to look outside of his number one weapon in Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams getting the ball 20 times a game isn't necessarily a problem. But, you know, it's spreading the ball out to 10, 11 players instead of, you know, having a situation like he did last year against San Francisco. That's a little bit better of a situation. So um, I think the preseason will be a really good kind of benchmark for us to see where this team is at for the wide receiver and all the other young players. Um, Just because like Aaron Rodgers said, we want production over potential, at least for this year, potential is great, but getting to see where those players are actually at will tell us a lot about um, how they'll be able to form in this 2022 season. One more question uh, and then we'll wrap it up. So Andy can get back to drinking some Sprite and having some cheese pizzas. Um, this one is the most important of all. So baby, I want to start with you. Cause I know, I think you have a controversial answer to this take of the best spot to eat in green Bay. Um, you know, if the answer was what I'm thinking, I haven't been to this place. Um, but let's hear your answer. Yeah. Um, a lot of great places to go eat in green Bay, but. I don't, I'm probably going to botch name, but Andrewsy's is freaking amazing. I love that place. That's such good food. Way better than Kroll's. Just don't listen to Nagler at all. Andrewsy's is the spot to go when you're in Green Bay. Yeah, wow. Andrewsy's I think is what you're looking for. But uh, yeah, um, they have like, they have like kind of like the classic bar food, but mm-hmm. um, you know, good food there. Um uh, like if you're looking for more fancy, there's play bistro on the East side of green Bay. There's also chives uh, more in like the Howard and Suamico area, which is going to be more your, your fancy food. Um, really good old fashions at both, not for you guys, but for anyone else that's listening. Um, you get, I think you can get yours. I guess kitty cocktails are the ones with the alcohol, right? So those are still available there. Um, if you're looking for like a breakfast pancake place, uh, classic green yes. Bay, uh, eatery, Absolutely. if you just want to eat in Lambo, of course, there's only one place you can do that. And there's like, that's just kind of a cool experience. Food is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get to eat in freaking Lambo field. So there's definitely, um, some uniqueness to that. Uh, hinterland right by the stadium. Also amazing food. Um, probably my favorite, it might be my favorite place right now. Um, just because again, you're sitting outside, you're looking at Lambeau field, great drinks, great food. Um, so I might go hinterland right now, but, uh, play bistro chives, uh, probably a couple of my favorites as well. And again, that's a little bit more expensive, more fancier food, at least for green Bay standards, but, mm-hmm. um, all really good places. Okay. I, I don't think I'm qualified enough to give an answer to this. Um, I do disagree with Big D on his Kroll's take, though. But with all these places, I think it should be noted that, you know, if you go on a game day, especially to Kroll's, you know, the vibes are going to be great. But with Kroll's, 
I mean, you don't get the option of mixed cheese curds on a game day. So that's kind of a deal breaker. Here's the thing too. And plug your ears if need be. Krolls is the ultimate drunk food. Like if you're not drunk, you <laughs> yeah. can't judge Krolls food. Like you right. just can't. Like you, you, you don't want to be going to Krolls sober. And like, like <laughs> you have to also understand what it is. Like it's just like greasy, like right. whatever food. Like if you're if you're going there sober and like, yeah, I'm just gonna have like a nice meal. Well, no, you're not. Don't do that. Get a milkshake maybe because their milkshakes are great. But like the the time to go there is after the game after you're 10 years in and you're drunk and stumbling over to Krolls, then that's when you want Krolls. and trust me it will taste magical at that point but really at no other time <laughs> okay i'll i'll be sure to write that down for four years in the future yeah future joey will, future joey of and course. future big b will appreciate that yeah we'll make sure to uh report back to you on that one once I it's know- the overage packers podcast we'll have a yeah. much better discussion on it once we make that transition that will be yes. one of our first episodes there um, I know on the last time we talked to you, you recommended uh, quick trip glazers um, in the freezer. I've yet to try that out, but um, I'll be sure to get that done uh, when we're up there August 7th through 11th. We'll be sure to test that out. There you go. Can't wait to hear the uh, feedback. You'll have to, you'll have to do like a TikTok of like yes. you trying, like putting, the, like buying the Glazers, um, telling them that Matt Ramage sent you and yep. then like putting like the next shot is like you putting it in the freezer and then like some yeah. caption of like Andy's an idiot and then like opening it up and then like trying your first bite and be like, all right, maybe Andy's not an idiot. Yeah. Like scene yes. and it'll be perfect. After we record this episode, I'm pitching all of my TikTok ideas for training camp to Big B. And so I just got another one for the list for Big there B. There you go. Frozen very much not a TikTok fan. Well, Zoom is about to cut us off here. So Andy, cannot thank you enough uh, for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Always fun. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. We'll talk to you later. All right. What a phenomenal talk with Andy. Always love having him on. I was so glad when he said yes and we were able to arrange this. Um, you know, when we have him on during the season, it's a ton of fun just because the two of us, we kind of scrambled together our minimal knowledge of whatever team the Packers are facing um, during the season. But Andy, he's got them down. You know, he can just look at their defensive and offensive coordinator and be like, oh, yeah, I know all about this team. <laughs> so. That was a lot of fun there. Um, one talking before before you go on. I mean, like uh-huh. I gotta say, you. I feel like you set up set me up for embarrassment after you <laughs> transferred to me after he went on that big spiel about the three three five defense. Like, yeah, man, that you set me up for embarrassment. <laughs> but hey, whatever. Hey, I didn't. I didn't want to completely shut you out there. <laughs> oh yeah, thanks. Bad time. Uh, yes. But anyways. One talking point that we didn't get to with our talk with Andy um, that I want to talk about here. I mean, this isn't too serious, but just kind of a fun thing that I want to talk to. And we'll get to chat about plenty of this kind of stuff once the season gets closer, once we get into preseason season and we're talking all that nonsense. Um, But just sitting here in late July, before training camp even starts, Big B, I have to ask you this question. What do you think? the Packers record will be in 2022? Ooh, good question. Um, I'm going to say three and four, just like lat or th- ah, yikes. Thir- <laughs> What's, okay. What? Cut that one. I'm out. sorry. 
13 and four. Good okay. Lord. Skip the number there. Um, I, I definitely see them going 13 and four this year, just like last year. But I do think that they could possibly drop another game or two, especially against Philadelphia. You don't know how great that team's going to be just quite yet. A lot of great opponents on the schedule this year, but I have 13 and four. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really tough to point out at this point of the year, you know, who's going to be a good team, who's going to be a bad team. You know, they do have the Bills on there, the, uh, the Buccaneers, the Patriots, the Titans, the Cowboys. Like you mentioned, the Eagles might be a surprisingly tough match. Uh, the Rams later on in Monday night football during the year. So, like I mentioned with our talk with Andy, I think pre-preseason, it's kind of difficult to say right now where this team is really at. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they went, uh, like, eight and nine. I wouldn't be completely surprised. I think a lot of things would have to go wrong there. But uh, I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. If, like, they, you know, because all of Matt LeFleur's career, they've, you know, had some games where they've had the ball bounce their way a few times, and that gave them three, four extra wins. So all I'm saying is, hey, maybe they have a few more times where they just, like, don't show up at all. Maybe they have a few more times where opponents just surprise them. But that's worst-case scenario, you know, things go bad. But, you know, wouldn't completely shock me. Um, but I, I agree with you. 13 and four isn't bad, uh, estimation. I think most likely is that 11 to 12 win range though. Yeah. We'll see. Um, but hopefully it's not a season. I, I can't really pinpoint, I guess 2019 would be the closest one I'm thinking of, of just where it's like, all right, we're going to make the playoffs. We're going to have, you know, a high seed, decent record but we don't really have a lot of business being here. I just yeah. don't want it to be one of those seasons where we're like, all right, it's going to take a massive upset for us to win a playoff game. I want this to be full throttle. Matt LaFleur, this is your year to prove yourself as a great head coach. And let's go win that Super Bowl. Because if we don't get it done this year, oh boy. I mean, the contracts that they have to pay – they aren't getting uh, any shorter, and Aaron Rodgers isn't getting any younger. So I, I, I'm not saying this is the last year of that window, but, uh, hey, I, it feels like we've kind of been pushing, keeping that window open with a brick the past two or three years, and they should have got it done at some point over that stint. Like I, uh, like I feel like keeping that door open with, like, a small little balloon. Like They got – yeah. Time. But we don't know when. They they stole a pencil from that one weird kid in third grade who always had, like, his pencils, like, this short. And they got that <laughs> pencil sitting there in that window. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not saying that they're an awful team, but, you know, they that window has been begging to be uh, have a Super Bowl won since they've won it in 2010. Hopefully they get it done this year. Um. Now a question that Mark Goldacres wrote an article on on Cheesehead TV. Our good friend Mark over there across the pond um, had an article about the Packers that might be 
that have the best chance at winning a league award this year. I think there's a lot of good options. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is certainly going to be up for MVP if he has another season like he did the past two years, obviously. The one thing is, though, there really wasn't a typical MVP front runner, I guess you could say, the past two years. Um, I mean, Aaron was that guy, but compared to 2018 and 2019, where he had Mahomes to Lamar, like usually in my mind, I'm thinking MVP of just a young quarterback who just lights it up, comes onto the scene, has just a breakout year where they're just absolutely insane. Um, I do think Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Pat Mahomes, obviously, maybe Lamar, um, all four of those guys, I think, could give him a good competition. I don't Joey really – Joey Burrow, of, of course. Um, I don't really think there's a running back that will have that great of a season unless Christian McCaffrey comes back from his injury, stays healthy, and just absolutely has even better of a season than he did before. Um, other than that, I really can't think of anybody. Um, I – for some reason, I want to say Chase Young just goes out and has 30 sacks and becomes the first defensive player to win it since Lawrence Taylor, I guess. Um, Big B, I, I have more of that I want to list, but I'll let you get yours out of the way. Do you have a, a key answer here of best Packer bet to win a award? Ooh, um, probably, well, the one that came to my head first was Christian Watson being offensive rookie of the year. Mm -hmm. I think that has a very good chance at, um, possibly happening. Uh, I already forgot like all the offensive players in this draft, but I remember it was defensive heavy. So, I mean, and a lot of tackles as well, offensive tackles. So I think Christian Watson has a very good chance at winning offensive rookie of the year. And that is true. That's the one to go with. I, I want to interrupt you there. That's a really good option, I think. Um, yeah, just because it feels like an easy choice, and it kind of is, but it also makes a lot of sense. It's not just like, let me throw this name out here, because, I mean, you look at the other rookie wide receivers, not many of them are playing with an elite wide receiver. You know, mm-hmm. Jameson Williams is playing with Jared Goff. Um, Chris Olave is playing with, Jameis Winston um and I you know you have Jahan Dotson drafted at pick 17 is playing with whoever the commander's quarterback is going to be this year um Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz. oh yes that's right they traded for him he's so irrelevant I couldn't even remember um so not a lot of quarter wide receivers are playing with great quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers and not a lot of them are I think are going to be as focal as important to the offense as Christian Watson is. So that's a really good pick. And like you said, first round was really defensive heavy. Um, so if Watson has, you know, it doesn't even have to be Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase type season. If he just has thousand yards, really good starter, then I think he can win that award. Uh, continue on a, what else you're going to say. That's it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I do think, I mean, I really think you can at this point of the year kind of, put out a candidate at least for each award for comeback player of the year. You have, I don't think they'd give it to an offensive tackle, but David Bakhtiari or Elton Jenkins would be a great choice choice for that. Especially if Elton miraculously comes back early on in the season and just continues to dominate. Um, And then Robert Tunyon, I think would be kind of a good pick for that. 
he'd have to beat out um, some more important skill positions players. I don't think there's really a quarterback that dealt with an injury. Uh, I can't think of any. Um, but Jair Alexander, also for comeback player of the year, I think he'd have to get a few interceptions for that, just to be on most people's radar. But I definitely think he could be up for that. Jair also for defensive player of the year. Rashawn Gary for defensive player of the year. If Rashawn Gary wins defensive player of the year, I'm that my life is complete, really. I like my God. Like, I don't think that would happen. I mean, he'd have to just go absolutely off and have TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, those guys there, Nick Bosa kind of have not a down year, but he'd have to outperform them just because he's not uh, as uh, much of a household name as those three guys are. Um, Offense play of the year, you know, Aaron, I don't think there's anybody else other than Rodgers that could win that. Um, Coach of the year, Matt LaFleur should absolutely win it. Um, Assistant coach of the year, if Rich Bisaccia somehow, like, resurrects the special teams of the Packers, if he can do that, rename the assistant coach of the year award after him and give it to him. Yes. If he can somehow put that ragtag group and save it, that would be phenomenal. Um, Shoot, even give him a key to the city, build him a statue. Give him a key to the country. Yeah. Yeah, screw it. Like, just give him everything. uh, Rich Passaccia Field has a nice ring to it, I do have to say. Yeah, I like it. Sorry, (laughs) Curly. Um, and I don't think there's any awards I'm forgetting here, but yeah, um, I think Rogers probably the most likely be crazy for him to three P at the age that he's at. Um, I mean, I could also see Tom Brady win MVP. So, but <laughs> that's that we'll, we'll talk to that in January. Hopefully we just have a loaded awards night for the Packers in January of 2023 and hopefully none of the Packers will be in attendance because they'll be busy preparing in Arizona for Super Bowl. All right. We're going to end it off there. Hopefully you enjoyed this chat. Uh, This will probably, I don't know when this is going to go out, but either way, me and Big B, once training camp kicks off, just be prepared for us to be all over the place talking about exciting stuff it's going to be a fun time thanks everybody for tuning in to this episode of the underage packers podcast um if you did enjoy it make sure to subscribe to us follow us on all the social medias and uh big b got any last words go pack go knew it we'll talk to you later